Handle on the News. Handle on the News. It's, again, unfortunate, you know. We're all worried about Bill Handel. But at this point, we're all also angry and offended and hurt. And he's also factually incorrect. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right. Uh, Another day. And uh, the big issue is my voice, obviously. And uh, we'll, uh, if it starts cracking uh, and I lose it, I'm. Probably going. I'm Wayne. I'm going to have you in as much as possible today. And it's um, when are you going to go see an otolaryngologist about this? Uh, an ENT guy. I have a phone call. I have a phone call in, and I have not yet received an answer because I'm with Kaiser, mm-hmm. and I have to be referred to an ENT by my internist. And so, I mean, the only thing I can do is maybe call UCLA and make an appointment. Uh, which won't happen for a month and a half. You could go to urgent care. You they they don't know. They care. don't know jack at urgent. But maybe care. that gets you referred faster. Uh, it's still. It's because it's not an emergency. Mm. It's an emergency to me. It's an emergency here. But they don't care, unless I have someone that really listens to the show. So uh, wow, it's uh, so I apologize in advance, and every day is a little bit. Uh, it's touch and go. You know, for example, I'll wake up tomorrow. And hope my mouth works. I hope that every day for Yeah, me. literally. That, <laughs> uh, you know, that it all works out. You know, the way your tongue and larynx and all of that uh, flop around. I obviously... Your larynx is flopping around? Uh, no, the tongue flops. The larynx stays unflopping. Uh-huh. And the voice... <clears throat> I think the voice flops. Uh, the vocal cords. Yeah, they go back and forth. Uh, yeah, they do. I still think that that's one of the weirdest things is watching your vocal cords work. Yeah, they fl- you, they flutter. Yeah, so they you you expect them to make the shape of your mouth, but they don't. They no, just they open don't. and close. They just and go I'm back like, and forth. How do you make the noises then? Yeah, it's really <laughs> weird how it all works out. All right. Anyway, that's obviously. Good morning and welcome that, to Throat Talk. That's right. That's obviously Amy. Uh, Coming up at seven, tonsils. What the hell right. are those about? Yes. I just want to hear you say that word again. Yeah. Or no, what's what's that? Otolaryngology? Yeah, Yeah, him. Yeah. uh, Later on, we'll do symptoms, for example, what happens when you (laughs) you get the mumps. (laughs) That sounds like fun. And then Neil Saavedra will be in here for a special Foodie Friday on a Wednesday, the best teas to coat your throat. Oh, yeah. It's an all-throat show. Yeah, all of it. Anyway. I do have Entertainer Secret if you want to use it. Have you ever used that? No, I'm drinking tea, and there's... uh, we have at home throat something. I have no idea. It's a oh. tea that is it throat coat. Yes. Does it taste terrible no, to you? No. Do you like it? That's pretty good. Yeah. No. It it's, tastes like licorice. They all have the, these bizarre names. It's all the same tea, of course. Of course. Yeah. Just package it different. You know, they'll never pre- know. Blood pressure tea. It's uh, whatever the hell it is. All right. So uh, Amy filling in for uh, Jennifer this week. Uh, there's Wayne Resnick. Uh, there's Alex. There's John Ramirez. And the big stories that we're covering, of course, uh, the Mueller subpoena. We'll talk about that up at 7 o'clock, the questions. And uh, Stefan Clark, uh, the autopsy, the official autopsy has now come in. Mm. I knew it. Oh, yeah. I knew that private autopsy was a fraud. But I didn't want to say anything well, until, and I didn't know if they were going to release the real one. And thankfully, they did. They usually don't. Except the fraudulent part may be sort of technical. Mm, 
Well, we'll talk more about that. And uh, then DACA. DACA is on the table. Uh, Seven states suing to end DACA. Actually suing the Trump administration that hates DACA. Well, he wants it gone, too. I know, but he can't where he's not because of the courts. Anyway, so we've got a lot to cover. In the meantime, let's do it, guys. Handle on the news. Lead story. Deep in the heart of Texas. Yep. Texas, six other states are suing the Trump administration to force the end of DACA. But that's not why it's not ending. It's not ending because other federal judges said it can't end. So this is judge-on-judge hot action going on right now in this country. How do they sue the administration, though? Because the administration's position is pretty clear. They want to end it. They want to, but they're not pursuant to federal judges' rulings. They're enjoined from ending it. Right. And so what they want to do, they may actually join the lawsuit against themselves. Uh-huh. They may actually file a brief with the court. They're being sued, mm-hmm. and they may very well agree with the plaintiffs, which certainly you're allowed to do. But then it has to go to the Supreme Court. Of course it does. Immediately. Of course it does. What a mess. Yeah. Okay, something else that uh, could be a mess for the president. He's been told that he might be compelled to testify Please with a subpoena. Please Mr. Prosecutor Mueller. Yep, there'll be... Uh, Robert Mueller will be standing over Donald Trump with uh, a cross and some water saying the power of Mueller <laughs> compels you. <laughs> and then what? Trump's head turns, spins around, yeah. and he spits out uh, pea soup. Yeah. So if uh, if they do the subpoena, you know how they've said if you were going to talk to him, then maybe you should answer questions that were written questions as opposed to just doing a regular oh, interview? That, those that ne- would be off the table? Those nego- Yes. Those okay. negotiations have continued for months. How do you question a president, a sitting president? Uh, now, technically, the president uh, can be questioned like anybody else. The only issue really is, can you indict a president? Uh, that one is constitutional scholars have no idea. And frankly, there's no rule that says you cannot subpoena a president because every American can be subpoenaed. Now, the issue, it's a practical issue where the court is going to weigh in and if assuming this goes to court, and it will if Mueller insists on the subpoena, uh, then uh, or assumes that he wants to do a private interview. And then it's as a practical ma- matter, because the Trump people are going to say he's too busy running the country. They'll try to get the subpoena quashed, right? Yeah, based on that. And maybe for the first time, a judicial decision uh, saying that uh, he, no, they've already had a judicial decision with Bill Clinton. Right. The court said he has to appear in uh, that uh, deposition. Remember with Monica? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a deposition, not a grand jury proceeding. Which I is think, stronger. I think the grand jury proceeding is, 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 a, the whole is point. a strong, yeah, it's even more compelling and, than he would and, need to go. And Bill Clinton was forced to uh, appear at that deposition, and he lied. He didn't have sex with that woman. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And he really said, uh, it depends what is, is. Remember that? Yeah. Okay. Power of Mueller compels you. Power of Mueller compels you. <laughs> Although the problem with that, is then at the end, Mueller jumps out the window, yeah, right? it's very tough. All right. Uh, come back. We're going to do Mueller handle on the news and also your chance to win $1,000 when we return. Okay.
All right, we're back. Handle and the morning crew on a uh, full day of news, uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, the Mueller subpoena. The autopsy is Stefan Clark. The official one is in. We'll cover that one. And some DACA news. Big news there. And here's your chance to win some money. You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's LUCK to 200-200. If you win, you're going to be notified with a phone call. You need to answer that call. Suzanne in Lancaster answered the call and won $1,000. There's a chance to win every Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right. Well, we're back. More handle on the news. Uh, Amy King. In for Jennifer this week, Wayne Resnick, and me. Well, I wonder if Ronnie Jackson is wondering why people aren't more interested in Dr. Harold Bornstein. That's the uh, long haired, weirdest, weird looking guy, guy who was Trump's personal physician for 35 a- years. Yeah. And you can just see he's the kind of doctor that as soon as you walk in for a consultation, he's going to reach into his drawer and whip out a joint and go, here, let's enjoy. Just take a look at him. And he now says that that letter uh, that was released talking about the president's health and how he'll be the healthiest president ever and all this stuff, he now says he didn't write it. Donald Trump dictated all those words to him. Now, and he put it in his this letter. This sounds like a Donald Trump uh, medical clearance, doesn't it? His physical strength and stamina are extraordinary. It even sounds like his verbiage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his blood pressure is 110 over 65, which, which is, is good. astonishingly excellent. <laughs> well, as if as if nobody else ever right. had a blood pressure of 110 over 65. And if elected, Mr. Trump, and I can state unequivocally, will be the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency. Came in, what, 40 pounds overweight. Uh, George uh, W., Right, uh, 43, mm-hmm. uh, the guy uh, has almost no body fat, runs four miles a day, bikes 20 miles uh, a day, works out like crazy. Uh, Trump is healthier. Uh, Barack Obama, not an ounce of fat on him, works out every day in the gym in the White House. Uh, Trump is far healthier than he, he is. Uh, yeah, but this is typical Trump. You know, it's hyperbole and... and he, yeah, but the doctor released it. I mean, why yeah. didn't the doctor say, hey, I do have sort of a code of ethics? I mean, come on. He, you can't say that. Because he's so stoned <laughs> most of the that. time. He's like, okay, Donald, whatever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Uh, police are still looking for a guy who led them on an hours-long car chase, except it wasn't in a car. It was in an RV, and he had his kids inside. We were following this yesterday, watching it. Crazy to watch a car chase. It's one thing if it's like a little sporty car or something, but this is an RV. And he got away from police for a while. And they were following him. He wasn't doing more than the speed limit, was he? No. In fact, uh, for part of it, he was lumbering along below the speed limit in the fast lane, by the way. So that's another charge that should be put on this guy. (laughs) Started in Mid-City, ended up in Bakersfield last night. And um, apparently the RV got stuck in an orchard. And so then there was sort of a standoff with Paul, not sort and of, then, there was a standoff, but then he, he ran off. And the two kids. They have them, they're, they're going to reunite them with right. the mother, and I guess it all started with the dispute with the mother, and he took off. Um, 
Wow. So we know a little bit more about the woman who may have started the whole Golden State Killers spree. At the time, not started it personally. No, no, not and not on purpose. Right, but by breaking up with him. What? Are you blaming this woman? No, no, no. no, I'm explaining that they think the origin of all of his madness may be when she broke up with him. And one of the key pieces of evidence that that's what his motivation was is that uh, in one case he raped a woman. And then he he laid down next to her after raping her and started crying and saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, Bonnie. And that's her name. That Bonnie Jean Colwell was her name at the time. I don't even think we should say what her name is now because she married somebody else and she's in hiding. I think that that's probably a smart place for her to be. Hey, you know how they use the genealogy sites to catch the Golden State Killer? Yep. They might go after another famous killer the same way. Zodiac Killer. Remember the Zodiac? I don't remember this, but between 1968 and 69, he was striking in Northern California, killed at least five people, sent cards and letters to newspaper and police, and had secret codes and ciphers in it, and got the nickname the Zodiac Killer, never been found. And uh, they're going to use the same DNA technology uh, that they did to catch the Golden State Killer, uh, D'Angelo. <clears throat> And uh, it has to do with trying to get DNA from the, uh, in this case, the licking of the envelope that was sent to newspapers uh, from the Zodiac uh, killer. Now, if he doesn't have, if he's not on the database, they're not going to be able to match that DNA to the data. But someone in his immediate family probably does. That's what they did with the Golden State killer. They found a distant relative. So now they, there's a place where they can start. Mm-hmm. And even if it's hundreds of people, it's not just it, the entire world. And then they start investigating and coming down. Who do you have? Uh, who's been missing? Uh, who was in the Bay Area at that time? So uh, they'll do it, which is good news. And the privacy people can go screw themselves. All right. All right. More news coming up. All right, uh, we're back. Handle and the morning crew. Big stories that we're covering. The Mueller subpoena, that's up at 7, and uh, DACA news. All right, all of it uh, coming up today. In the meantime, uh, back we go to handle on uh, the news. What are we doing here? Uh, they want me to talk about this great event that's coming up. You're up. Later this year. You You're can up. You can help the American Red Cross and get to meet everybody here at KFI. Donate now. To help the American Red Cross Initiative to get prepared, California. This is earthquake safety-related stuff. And when you do, under certain circumstances, you and a guest will mix and mingle with the KFI crew for an exclusive evening at the OUE Sky Space in Los Angeles. You'll get cocktails and appetizers. You'll be up in this beautiful space almost 1,000 feet above the city. Meet the team. There's a live Q&A session, photo opportunities, and then after the mixer... Unlimited sky slide rides, which is that plexiglass thing on the outside of the building where you slide down from one floor to the next. You have to be 21 years or older to attend. And there's limited tickets, so you want to get them now. For more details, log on to KFIAM640.com, search the keyword mixer. All right, let's return to the news. 
And the city of L.A. has approved a $1.95 million settlement for the family of a woman who was fatally shot by the cops. This is uh, Norma Guzman. We covered this, oh, two years ago. Yeah. Uh, And uh, they, uh, remember L.A. uh, Police Chief Charlie Beck? Believe the two cops who shot her, they say, he said they had followed protocol department rules for using deadly force, believing she presented a serious lethal threat. So the city didn't want to deal with it. Uh, in- well, then the police commission said, ah, 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 one yeah. of those cops was wrong. Yeah, uh, and should was not enough, of course, to prosecute the, right. the cop, but just uh, outside of policy. And uh, in the lawsuit, uh, his uh, the widower... And the teenage son argued the cops knew that Guzman was mentally challenged and completely harmless. That can never, ever be true. No police officer, no matter how well they know somebody, can ever know they're completely harmless. And she had a knife, and there's a little bit of a dispute, but most people say she had this knife, and they said drop it, and she didn't drop it, and she started moving towards it. So they pay a couple million dollars, Mm -hmm. and there's a story there, too, because... Uh, this is L.A. The trial will be downtown, and the police or the city never want to be in front of a downtown uh, jury. They lose walking in the door. So just cut your losses. That's exactly what they did. Okay. Students are walking out today. Happiness is a warm This is the new activism, walking out of school. Yeah, it's called Stand for the Second. It was started by a high schooler in New Mexico, Will Riley. And it comes about a month after the big walkout following the Parkland shooting where the students went to remember the victims of the shooting and also to uh, protest to stop gun violence. This is the other side. Controls. This is the other side. He said, I was listening to what the protests were about and going, this isn't me this isn't how i feel and it's not how my friends feel now, so they're doing a pro second amendment walk now he and organizers expect these walkouts in more than 40 states i am curious as to the number of students that are going to walk out of class and argue in favor of the second amendment we're talking kids now high schoolers very different than people 20 years older who work in gun stores who go to shooting ranges on a constant basis who, I know, I'm just going to go on and on. But yeah, well, we'll know tomorrow how yeah. big a deal this was. In the meantime, gun rights people are very upset because some credit card companies are trying to figure out how to track gun purchases. Mother Superior jumped the gun. Yep. Mother Superior and this is because uh, a lot of companies are under big pressure to disassociate themselves from gun companies, especially the big investment firms with their portfolios. And they're thinking of um, giving one of those MCCs, those merchant category codes, that would be specifically for gun stores, which means they would know when you're buying stuff, and maybe they would even know what you bought at that gun store. You know what really pisses me off? I agree with these people, because the fact that Costco knows... When and how many salamis I buy <laughs> but at that's Costco. Cost, but that's Costco knowing what you buy at Costco. Right. This would be Visa knowing what you bought. They know like anyway. you walk into Gun World Any, over here on anything, Magnolia. They that Why should Visa know specifically because, because what they was are, purchased? Because they already know. It depends on who. All the credit card companies know everything. And by the way, Costco does know when I buy a salami. And everything that has a serial number on it is able to be tracked. 
I, I don't know the big deal here. And they're concerned that what'll happen is Visa will say you, you buy guns with a Visa credit card. We're not going to we're going to rescind your Visa credit card. All right, but they can do that for almost anything. And people will just start using cash. Yeah. So I, I don't see the problem with this. Why everybody's okay with a salami analogy, and not okay with? And they're not saying to take away guns. It's to track it down, was a gun stolen? Where did it go? And if you legally have a gun, then there's no question. You know, for example, you report a gun stolen, and they're trying to track it down. Well, yeah, that's the government knowing. Right. This is the I think they're just afraid that what will happen is people will be denied credit or credit cards because they bought a gun. Okay. Whether that's what they would do with and the information. The way, but why do they want to know? Why does the credit card company want to know who's buying guns? And maybe the reason is their credit they're not interested in people buying guns. And but they, but they have the right to do that. It's a private business. Well, but where does it end then? If they can do that, then maybe they would start watching your salami. They do already watch <laughs> and, my salami. But then maybe they'll say if you buy salami, we're, we're talking about, about your credit food, card. By because- oh, by the way, just to let you know, the credit card company does know uh, when I buy salami because the Visa card, which is the Costco card, is a credit card company. Right. And they have that information. But then maybe they say, hey, uh, you're eating too much salami and it's bad for your health. Theoretically. they go after you for that. I mean, theoretically, they can go after anybody for anything. But it's, you know what? I'm going to do the salami uh, protest. (laughs) Right now, I am going to do, I'm announcing right now, a walkout on uh, tomorrow. We walk out or actually we protest in front of the nearest Costco, the salami protest. Are we pro or against salami? Well, we love salami. So it's a pro-salami. No, it's both a pro-salami and at the same time the anti-visa, uh, mm. uh, the uh, the protest, because they know when I'm buying salami. Hmm. And I don't I don't want them to know. They have no business knowing. Let's take they a break. A walkout. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're, we're coming back. All right. KFI Handle here on a uh, Wednesday, May the 2nd, as we uh, finish Handle on the News. Amy King in for Jennifer this week, Wayne Resnick, and me. Governor Jerry Brown is not happy, and, uh, well, he's suing the Trump administration. Yeah, and this has to do with uh, rolling back vehicle emission standards. And that one's going to go to court, too. You watch. And this is, uh, there was a plan in place. Uh, the EPA uh, had uh, the Clean Air Act, which uh, the uh, Department of Transportation is insisting that uh, mileage uh, would go to 55 miles per hour or per hour uh, per gallon uh, starting in uh, 2025. Uh, for cars, and now the EPA is coming back and saying, no, no, we only want 42 miles. Which is gallon. still way better than what it is now. But it's a question of the EPA being disman- dismantling rules. And, uh, you know, what kind of car do you get that goes 55 miles an hour? My hybrid. Get, yeah, I mean, that's get, it. gets 55 gallons. That's right, 55. Yeah. I don't know why I keep on saying miles per hour. I, got a men- I have a because mental block Because 55 used to be the speed limit. Uh, maybe that's it. And yeah. so... Um, 
you know, uh, you're right. It, it would have to be a hybrid or an electric car that gets, of course, unlimited. Unless, I mean, Mazda's the only company, I think, maybe not the only, but of the major car company. Mazda still doesn't sell a hybrid. They they keep re- involving, uh, evolving a technology. I forgot what they call it. It's to try to get the most gas mileage that you can out of a, an otherwise right. conventional gas. And diesel, and maybe, I mean, I don't know if you could right. evolve that to the point where you could also get 55. Diesels, incidentally, the technology with diesels is far better in terms of gas mileage than with uh, regular uh, cars, gasoline cow- cars. The, the thing, I don't know if they're more upset about rescinding the the tougher standards or the provision that would prevent the states from setting their own tougher standards. That's going to go to court. That yeah, one's going to go. California has right. really strict right. laws. I, incidentally, uh, my car gets 20 miles of the gallon. Okay. So right. I'm right up there. Uh, yesterday was not just May Day and International Workers Day. It was also the beginning of all new cars must have rear view camera day. This was a standard that the uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration approved in 2014. And it was slowly phased in. And as of yesterday, all new cars have to have it. And it, it makes so much sense. Look how much safer a rear camera is. Because there are blind spots. There is a blind spot. Uh, I almost uh, killed my mother. Uh, she was walking. She's pretty short. Walking across the back of my car. Had I not had that camera and I was engaging the gear, she would have been run over. Now, the issue of whether I should have or not is something that I will discuss later on with my therapist. But that is a specific incident that I can point to that I would have killed someone. And there was a specific but incident for, that led to this rule because uh, this two-year-old kid, Cameron Gilbranson, was run over by his father in their, in their driveway in 20, uh, 2002, and that led to this law. Can you even imagine if you're a parent and that happens? That's just... Horrific. Uh, The top security official for an embattled EPA head, Scott Pruitt, abruptly left the building. Yeah, we don't know why. It's just, it is what we get a lot from the Trump administration, much like when someone is fired here. Well, except that he was supposed to be. We wish him uh, all success (laughs) in his new endeavors. Yeah. He was supposed to be... uh, questioned before a congressional panel shortly before his exit or shortly after scott pruitt is completely protected even though there's investigation after investigation going on with scott pruitt for all kinds of alleged misdeeds he is safe unless he goes to jail and even then he may run the epa from a jail that's why the people under him are starting to go it's you're talking about the security guy Yep. Pasquale Parada, who's going to be interviewed today by a congressional panel, and they're going to transcribe it. And then another guy, Albert Kelly, is now out, and that's the guy that Pruitt appointed after Albert Kelly was banned for life from doing any banking, because banking regulators banned him, and it's so his buddy Pruitt said, well, come over here yep. and work at the EPA. All right, well, last story. Out. Wow. White House physician Ronnie Jackson now may face a Pentagon inquiry. And it's, it's based on the same yeah, I know. allegations under, about his conduct. And I know, the, you know, which now is, the Pentagon's going to take Which is BS. I mean, those are really crap allegations. But uh, can you imagine him going to jail? Uh, because th- that's the climate right the now. Pro- There's only one new thing that I don't think we had before, and that is uh, 
Mike Pence says that Ronnie Jackson said something about his Karen Pence that he right. shouldn't have there said was a medically. Viol- there was a HIPAA violation. Yeah. Mike Pence's doctor said something to John Kelly about uh, Jackson violating HIPAA. So God forbid. I, I tell you one thing. If he ends up going uh, to jail, uh, there's gonna, there are going to be proctological exams in ways he's never even imagined. That's horrible. It is horrible. That is. I take that back. You back? can't. You, you take can't it take back? it back. No, no, I can't. It's out there. No, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, please disregard uh, Mr. Handel's last statement. Cannot be used in evidence. Where's your gavel? Oh, you're right. It's in the oh, office. It's not official until the gavel. He can't rule on his own motion anyway. <laughs> the court can rule on its own motion. The court can rule. Does the, the, well, the court can withdraw an opinion. Uh, Is that uh, what you're doing? You're withdrawing the opinion? Uh, well... Yes. That Ronnie Jackson. Yeah, that's enough. Is that's enough. Gonna be That's enough. When he goes. That's enough. We're done. All right. Coming up, the questions. Mueller's questions. The implications for the president. And I'm gonna have uh, Wayne join us uh because he has been involved in many cases of which questions uh then produced evidence that was used in uh in various trials. So no evidence before then What's going to come out of this? Coming out, you get it. Yeah, we'll do that when we come back. Uh, this is KFI AM 640. KFI Handle here on a Wednesday. As I cough through uh, this introduction. And uh, coming up uh, later on, DACA. Uh, the uh, some states, seven states, are suing to end DACA, suing the federal government, which wants to end DACA. I know. Go figure. I know it's going to be fascinating. So the feds are being sued. The feds agree with a lawsuit, but they're the defendants. Go figure. I've got Wayne in here uh, with me because on uh, the Mueller issue, uh, Wayne has been uh, involved for many years on information obtained during questioning. And <coughs> uh, and uh, this has to do with, uh, what, 50 questions uh, that uh, Mueller wants to ask the president. And mm, 50 questions that some of Trump's lawyers wrote after hearing about the subject areas right. that Mueller would want to question him about. All right. So because the first thing to know is when the when if Trump is ever interviewed, the questions will not be asked in this form that has been leaked to the public. No, no attorney on Mueller's team is going to ask these questions this way. All right. Before getting into those questions, a little backstory. And that is uh, Mueller has been trying to get information from the president because that's what he has to do as special prosecutor independent special prosecutor and negotiations have been going on with the Trump team and uh, the special prosecutors team for months now negotiations because Mueller wants the information, but how do you question a president and their negotiations? Mueller wants him in a room with Mueller looking at the president and asking questions. Uh, The Trump team is saying, Oh no, 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 that's not going to happen. So throughout all of this, Mueller has given the Trump team these, <coughs> excuse me, proposed questions, and they're going to be negotiating those. That has leaked. 
those questions have leaked. And uh, the president is in an uproar about how horrible the leak is. But it, it came from his people. It came from his people. Or at least that's the allegation. And uh, it makes sense because certainly, well, theoretically, it could have come from the, from Mueller's people. But probably. Not in this, that's my point. These questions didn't come from Mueller's team. Maybe the subject areas came from Mueller's team. But the, the wording of these questions, you can tell that's exactly what everybody's saying. Mueller said, hey, I want to talk about this. I'd like to ask you about that. And they start writing down sort of sample questions of what how they think they might have to address these is, questions. And that hands handed over like a crib, to the other yeah, side. It's like Got a it. crib sheet. Now, yesterday, I love this. This is where uh, the New York Times has a headline saying why answering Mueller's questions could be a minefield for Trump. Because sitting down with prosecutors, they're very specific. I mean the minutia, and you have to be right on. And it takes lawyers who have experience in this. I remember uh, there was a friend of mine that was uh, part of an investigation, which turned out to be nothing with the feds. Uh, It was a grand jury investigation. And I remember talking to the lawyer who said, uh, if you are asked whether you know someone, uh, even if the answer is no, or you've ever been with someone at a location, and you're 99.999% of uh, sure that the answer is no, you all you say is not to my recollection. Because if you say no and they have a picture, you've just lied. And you're in a lot of trouble. So with the president, the president is just wrong a lot of the time. It's not even a question of lying. It's a question of just uh, the facts aren't very important to the president. For example, in the tweet, uh, he denounced the publication in a pair of Twitter posts. And he called it disgraceful. We know that. Uh, Pronounced the investigation a witch hunt. That's opinion. There's no problem with that. However, uh, he said... Uh, that uh, the the collusion investigation, right? Uh, it would be hard to obstruct justice for a crime that never happened. Rongo, bongo. Although that's not him really lying. That's his, no, no, that's no, him I'm not, not saying, being a legal. No, what I'm saying is he just doesn't care. That's my point. Where minutia and the absolute truth, especially when you're dealing with an investigation like this, is so critical. And that's what his team is scared of, Trump's team. They do not want him in front of an investigator or a prosecutor who has had years, decades of experience questioning people. So uh, let's go through some of the questions, okay, that uh, were uh, handed over from Mueller's team to— No, again, they didn't come—this is really important to me. Okay, it's not the the The, questions that will be asked. Mueller didn't say, here's a list of questions we will ask you. They had telephone discussions about what kinds of things would we talk about. And Trump's lawyers wrote these questions and then it was, getting ready. Basically, this would be the tools to prepare the president to either testify or be interviewed. Although some of these is some of these are pretty specific. Uh, you know, for example, what did you know about the phone calls that Mr. Flynn made with a Russian ambassador uh, Sergey Kislyak in late December of 2016. Now, is that that's pretty broad? What did you know? Right, that could go on forever. Uh, were you aware a phone call was made at 12:16? Uh, 
what happened during that discussion? What did Kislyak say? What did you say? How long was the conversation? Those are the kinds of questions that are going to be asked, not what did you know? I, I realize now the reason these questions are all so open-ended, because the next one is what was your reaction to certain news reports and what did you know about right. Sally Yates? I realize, because you already put your finger on it, the president sometimes speaks uh, without precision and caution And about sometimes facts. he out and out lies. Yeah. But I don't think he would lie in, in under these circumstances. So by, by prepping him with these kinds of open-ended questions, they'll be able to see... Does he ramble? Is he focused? Does he say things that maybe aren't accurate and they can help mold his response to whatever the real questions will be? Okay, let's take a break. And I want to add to uh, why Trump should never, ever sit in front of Mueller. If I'm representing Trump, uh, it's never going to happen. Uh, and if it's, there's a subpoena issued, I'm taking it all the way to the Supreme Court. And the, the administration will end by the time it is decided. All right. Also, after the break, uh, your chance to win $1,000. KFI Handle and the Morning Crew on a Wednesday. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. They notify the winner by calling them. You have to pick up that call. Joyce and Artesia did, and she is $1,000 richer. Your next chance to win next hour. All right, uh, back we go. Yesterday a story broke uh, that is, the story is probably far bigger than it should be. And this has to do with some 50 questions uh, that uh, the New York Times obtained uh, that Mueller wants to ask the president. But as Wayne pointed out, these are not specific questions. These are areas of interest that uh, Mueller's team uh, then handed over to Trump's lawyer saying, this is what we're interested in. This is where we're going to go. And um, this is this happens all the time because they've been in negotiations like crazy. What does the president do if he's under subpoena? If he's subpoenaed, does he go? Uh, does he sit in front of Mueller? Does he answer written questions? And as I said before, uh, just for the break, uh, one of the reasons, uh, even though the president said, I'll sit in front of him, I'll, I have nothing to hide, his lawyer's saying, no, you can't. You cannot get anywhere near sitting down and answering questions. One of the big reasons, and we didn't cover this one, is, uh, well, let me quickly say, one of the reasons is because the prosecutors basically are looking to nail you. And they're much better at nailing you than you are at not being nailed. These guys are pros. The other thing is specific to this president is Trump has so much hubris. He has been subpoenaed so many times in terms of his business dealings. You know how many lawsuits have been filed against Trump? I mean, over the course of his business career, and how many times he sat in front of lawyers in dispositions, in depositions. So he just, and he, he's considered really smart. From what I've heard during those civil trials, he's very good. So therefore, he has nothing to worry about. Huh? Because he's Donald Trump. Well, and he also is known for uh, not necessarily following advice all the time. So he would be a very difficult target to manage. 
if you're his attorneys. All right. Now, there are four main areas, and I know you've been looking at this. Yeah. Uh, all right. So one big area is, of course, Michael Flynn, who lied to the FBI about talking to Russia and who lied to the vice president and got fired. Right. And they want to talk to Trump about the entire history of that situation. What did he know about the phone calls? What did he know about the lying? Did he know that Flynn had lied to the FBI when he fired him? I know. The firing of Comey. The firing of Comey is, is area two. And that is the big one in terms of touching obstruction of justice. Right. Uh, and that's the conversation. And it's related to the Flynn thing because right. the obstruction, the theory of the obstruction would be really he right. wa- two things. He wanted to get rid of the Russia investigation altogether, and he wanted Comey to go soft on Flynn. And when Comey wouldn't, the theory yeah. is that then he wanted to get rid of Comey. Now, there's a pro and a con to that one, depending on the way he answers it. Uh he, Comey talks about the conversation that he had uh, one evening with the president, talked about uh, that um, Flynn's a good guy and dropped the investigation, although he didn't say drop the investigation. There's going to be enough wiggle room. Uh, Comey said, that's the way I interpreted it. Well, that means nothing because the president say, that's not what I meant. He just said, he's a good guy. Uh, and I hope you can I, see your way. Right. I hope you. I, that's exactly it. I hope you can see your way to treat him. Uh, but that question, it's a hope. It's not an order from the president. And so that is the closest they have to obstruction of justice. And that's and it's nothing. Not, and that's going to go nowhere. It's not even close. Obstruction of justice prosecutions are things like destroying evidence, bribing witnesses, threatening witnesses. Not this kind of super squishy conversation. Uh, then, of course, there's a whole section about Jeff Sessions and Attorney General Sessions recusing himself and Trump going ballistic on that. They want to know all of the, the president's thoughts right. Remember and feelings. Remember how angry Jeff, uh, the president was with Jeff Sessions, uh, where Sessions at that moment uh, offered to resign? Right. I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the fact of how Sessions, uh, how Sessions was treated by the president. Just yelling and screaming, Trump losing his uh, temper. Jeff Sessions comes from a history in the Senate where everybody's collegial. Everybody is, even though you have a, you're on the other side and you truly believe that uh, the the other side of an issue is going to destroy America, you still are, uh, you still deal with that senator or anybody uh, with collegiality. Uh, with patience, you are just polite, and that's not the case here. So, uh, it's yeah. I, Although I, again, what, so what? what does it mean? So what? He got mad because Sessions recused himself because he wanted Sessions to stay on and protect him from the Russia investigation, as if that was going to happen. And Sessions, of course, knowing the law, uh, couldn't do that. And in and he didn't want the conflict. He didn't want to tell the president, I can't do that, or even I'm too involved in that. I have to recuse myself. I mean, there was no issue. Sessions would have easily said, uh, been fired before he would have done it. All right. Uh, so and then just the fourth area is the whatever contacts between the campaign and Russia, that's the part that goes to collusion, collusion if there was any, which... So far, there doesn't seem to be any evidence of it. Exactly. But we still don't know everything that Mueller's team knows. That's true. And everybody is, uh, uh, certainly the Trump team is concerned about that. What does Mueller know that we don't know? Coming up, uh, Stefan Clark. 
that controversy. I'll share that with you. KFI AM 640. Okay. And she says, I wish that I could be like the cool kids. KFI handle here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, A lot to cover as we continue. Uh, The big stories that we're covering, the top trending stories, is uh, the Mueller investigation of uh, the president and the president's staff and campaign. Uh, Some new information coming out. Uh, DACA, lawsuit now being filed against the federal government by Texas and six other states suing to end DACA. And the weird one is that the administration agrees. So here's another one. And uh, this is big news. So I'm going to cover this with you, with uh, Wayne. And uh, remember the Stephen Clark case? Of course you do. March 18th, Sacramento police shot unarmed Stephen Clark. If you remember, there was a phone call made to the police about someone who was breaking into cars, helicopter overhead, uh, using the infrared, sees a guy jumping over fences. Now, I don't think they actually saw him breaking into cars, but jumping over fences. And uh, the police are called, the ground uh, forces, the the ground cops are called, and uh, there is a confrontation between Stefan Clark and uh, the police. Stefan Clark is killed. He is shot, I don't know how many times, shot seven times or eight times, uh, depending on the autopsy. So uh, the police said they were in fear of their lives. They were in legitimate fear. Uh, The investigation continues on. First thing the family did is hire an independent coroner, saying, we don't trust anything that the city of Sacramento or the county is going to say about this, especially their autopsy. So here is our independent autopsy done by Dr. Bennett Amalu, the doctor who discovered CTE. Extraordinary man. I mean, you talk about credentials. It's insane. Well, the official autopsy just came out, and it's different than what the uh, Bennett Omalu autopsy said And uh, I was talking to Wayne during the break, and he said, of course it was different. We expected it to be different. No surprise at all. And I want to share that with you. So, Wayne, jump in. Well, you know, whenever you have a case where somebody hires an expert, you never see a result that is not favorable to whoever hired them. Never. I'm not saying that they don't hire an expert and the expert says, you know what, this, you know, like this autopsy shows that he was shot all from the front. They would never release that autopsy. Right, even if they it never was legitimate. It. They never use it, right. right. So um, I knew that because they were paying Dr. Malu to do this autopsy, that there would be this uh, bias, not that he's a biased guy at all, but underneath they're his customer. They're paying him to do this service, and there's always this unconscious uh, shifting toward whatever the customer might really be looking for. Well, to describe it even in more graphic terms or realistic terms, you have experts on both. Let's say you're in court, and you've seen many, many court cases, and there are uh, the war of uh, the experts. Yep. One expert says one thing, the other expert says the other thing, 
And it used to be where uh, they, or they should be, where they don't even mention the expert's name. It should be, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we now call up our expert, Dr. Seal, Dr. Barking Seal. And bark, 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 bark. The trained seal, he's thrown a fish. Thank you very much. And then it's time for the other side to bring up, strangely enough, an expert that has the same name. Can we bring up Dr. Seal, Dr. Barking Seal? Bark, 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 bark. He gets a fish, and the jury is looking at two different opposing experts who are on either side of any factual situation. And it's the almost whole, like it's a waste of time. Well, it is because the idea is these are areas that are usually scientific in nature primarily or psychology. The idea being that there is a correct truth. And if you're an expert, you will know it. Well, how come two experts end up with different views of what's supposed to be some kind of objective truth? In this case, it is when you're dealing with an autot- aut- autopsy, it is specific There's no opinion in the autopsy. And the difference is here, Dr. Bennett Amalu said that Stephen Clark was hit, shot eight times. The official coroner's report is he was shot seven times. How do you get different views on that? Well, they're also saying that Dr. Amalu mistook uh, an exit wound for an entry wound. And if you do that, that is going to foul up your assessment of the positioning of the person who was shot, obviously. Because that had a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. Because uh, the family is saying that Stefan Clark was shot in the back. And uh, as far as the police are concerned, he was shot in the side or actually shot in the front. And he spun around. And, of course, uh, Amalo is saying none of that is true. And that is critical to the case. Because the Clark family is saying he was shot in the back while he was running away from the police and not a threat. Police are saying that under the circumstances, because of the call, because it was dark, because they were around the corner and saw him, uh, they reacted quickly, especially when they saw there was something in his hands, which turned out to be a cell phone. And they should have known. And and, and it's going to be an insane lawsuit. As uh, they not really, be, you know, not being in a position to say that no officer there did anything out of policy. I think the sincerity of their shooting him can be seen in the fact that the parts of the cam footage that has the audio before they muted it, which was a bad idea on their part to mute their cams. For sure. But you see they're saying, show us your hands, show us your hands, and then an officer yells, gun, 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 and then they fire. Right. Now, and there was, never... it was simultaneous, by the way. It was show us your hands, and within a nanosecond, gun, 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 gun. So he wouldn't have even had the opportunity to show his hands. Because probably somebody saw the object. Yep. And you at that point, you'd, you want to show the hands to show you're not holding anything. The second they think you're holding yep. something, the show your hands part's no right. longer relevant. But the problem with the police is after the order, show your hands... There wasn't enough time for him to show his hands. It happened virtually simultaneously. All right. Uh, A break and then uh, independent contractors. Uh, There's probably not going to be no such thing anymore in the state of California. There's a new court case that came down, and uh, uh, it changes the rules quite a bit. And I'll explain that to you. KFI AM 640. All right. 
KFI handle here on a Wednesday morning, uh, May 2nd. Uh, big stories that we're covering that are trending. The Mil- uh, the Mueller subpoena. Uh, we have some questions that uh, now have been released or the New York Times released them. And uh, DACA. Uh, can you imagine DACA's in the news? Oh, and just a quick one. At the border, the caravan, there's still news there. Because remember he had a 200 people or 150 people that are lining up to claim asylum? The government... Border Patrol is saying, as of this morning, there were a big 28 people that have been processed through in three days. And come on, really? What, hours and hours per person? One guard? One investigator? Come on. Tell me they're not slowing it down purposely. All right. Supreme Court yesterday weighed in on uh, something that uh, businesses have been dealing with in California for a very long time. And that is, uh, at what point does an independent contractor become an employee? And it's been more and more, leans more and more towards uh, everybody's an employee. Now, the rules are pretty strict now, before the Supreme Court case came down. And that is, uh, you look at various factors. And if you hit enough of these factors, then it's not an employment situation. It's an independent contractor association. For example, the hours you work. Uh, If you have to work X number of hours, uh, okay, that helps uh, the argument that that it's an employee. Uh, Where you work, if you're forced to work at a certain place, that makes you an employee. Uh, Does the place where you work provide the equipment that argues more of an employee? Uh, Now, let me tell you how it's getting even worse. Uh, This may actually just change it around completely where there's almost no independent contractors left. Why do they do this, incidentally? Well, because taxes, employees pay, and employers pay lots of taxes when you have an employment situation as opposed to an independent contractor association. So the court now went to the point where it says... Uh, To classify someone as an independent contractor, businesses must show that the work is free from control. It's always been there. Free from direction of the employer. Uh, It's always been there. Performs work that is outside the hirer's core business. Which means the only people that are left are going to be the janitorial staff when you hire an independent janitorial company. Or when the water goes out, you call the plumber to fix it. After that, everybody is an employee. California has by far the most restrictive laws that say, uh, that move people into the employer status. And it all has to do with taxes, by the way. Also, it has to do with uh, insurance. It has to do with uh, OSHA, the safety of people working. And I mean, it just goes on and on. But the bottom line, it's really money. And I was just talking to Wayne. I'll tell you where this makes a lot of difference. Uh, and it can just change, a sea change in the way we're working today, the way we deal with society. This could screw Uber up completely. This could nail Uber and Lyft and these other companies. I mean, uh, because if it turns out Uber drivers are employees, now what? Uh, Does Uber have 2 million employees? And taxes have to be paid on every one of them? 
Remember, you have Social Security. Uh, you have um, uh, what other taxes you have? There's millions of the payroll tax, pay- payroll tax, uh, unemployment tax. Right. You, you have-, have to make sure they're earning min- at least minimum wage. Yeah. Overtime after eight hours. So if you're an Uber driver and most of them can't make a living unless they're working 10, 12 hours a day, uh, that is just the way it works. Uh, that's done because you're talking about the, and I don't think they can include tips in that either. You have to get minimum wage no matter what. I don't think California allows an allowance for tips. For example, waiters who make $40 an hour. They still have to make minimum wage. Wayne's looking that up right now. If I'm not... uh... I can't remember if California is one of those tipped wage states or not. But here's the deal. I don't know if it would apply to an Uber driver. Let's see what we can find out. Well, actually, I think if an Uber driver is making more than 9 or 10 bucks an hour, let's say, uh, because of tips coming in, does that reduce the amount of money that Uber would have to pay that driver if drivers are considered employees? So this changes things. Yeah, no, you're right. California, there's seven states that say even employees who get tips, you have to pay them minimum wage. Most of the country, no. And I'm assuming if they have to pay minimum wage, time and a half over eight hours. And there are many, many, many jobs that people work over eight hours. Oh, just to give you an idea of the money involved. Remember I told you it really is about money coming into the state coffers. According to the California Labor Commissioners, if you look at the website, the misclassification of workers as independent contractors costs the state about $7 billion in lost payroll taxes every year. That is an enormous amount of money. And uh, the Supreme Court just uh, made it really difficult. There's there's not going to be anything such thing as an independent contractor anymore. Uh, There'll be one out of 100. All right, coming up, uh, the e-liquid crackdown. This is, I I don't know how the e-liquid manufacturers can justify what they're doing at all under these circumstances. I'll share that with you. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here on a Wednesday morning. All right, coming up at 9 o'clock, Tackle Football Kids and CTE. Uh, That story has come back. Uh, and uh, we're the, some of the big stories, top trending stories, DACA, uh, seven states are suing the Trump administration to stop DACA, even though the Trump administration wants to stop DACA. Wait a minute. You're, it's where the defendant is agreeing with the plaintiff in a lawsuit. Very interesting stuff. All right. Now, uh, this is a story that uh, I'm, I'm wondering, where is the defense all right, this has to do with e-liquids, right? Uh, sort of, va- is it vaping, I guess, if you want to describe it. Typical mix of nicotine flavors, other ingredients. And uh, usually you look at this as these vaping cigarettes. But uh, as it has become more and more difficult to even vape in public places, because now there's so many laws that say vaping is the same as smoking cigarettes, which was not the case before. Uh, now the vaporuni, the vaporoons, the people that manufacture the vaping devices, are trying to figure a way 
how do we get to the customers and do it in a way that doesn't look like cigarettes? And uh, one of my favorite ones are uh, the uh, little thumb drives, right, that look like thumb drives. Jewel is uh, the name of those things. And uh, it's you take them out and you just start sucking on them. And, uh, I mean, you look weird. I mean, how many people suck on thumb drives? Well, a lot. I mean, a lot now because that's part of vaping. But here's something new. Federal regulators have gone berserk, and rightly so. And they warn more than a dozen manufacturers, distributors, retailers that the e-cigarette liquids are now endangering children. And how do they do that? And I, I can't believe these cockroaches are actually doing this. What they're doing is selling the liquids, the e-cigarette liquids, to resemble products like juice boxes, exactly the kind of juice boxes you put in your in the lunch kit of your of your child. You know, those little juice boxes with the uh, the the little straw that's connected. That number one never work, and number two, when you puncture the uh, that little aluminum foil hole, the juice spurts out. And gets everybody soaked. It's a very terrible design. But they're for kids. Because there's no adult on this planet would actually get near one of those. Right? And, I mean, juice boxes. As well as almost everything else. I'm looking at some pictures here uh, of them. And uh, here we go. Uh, Some pictures of some of these. Okay. Uh, Number one, you have the juice box. Apple juice. Specifically, and uh, if you look at a real treetop apple juice, which actually says 100% juice, and usually they say 100% non-juice because it's uh, basically petroleum byproducts that taste like juice. Uh, but I'm looking at boxes of uh, apple juice, and this is treetop on 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 the top of the box, and then 100% juice and pictures of apples, uh, like you normally see. You've seen those a million times. Now I'm looking at the e-liquid box, which says juice box. It's the same. It, it's, it, it literally looks the same. It's like almost a photo was taken and then printed on the box. Same group of apples, sliced, non-sliced. And if I'm looking at it, I'm telling you, I'm sending one of these off with my kids to school. Uh, then there are candies. Sour Patch, which are actually e-liquid. And if we look at the box, it literally says Trolley Crawlers, which look just like Sour Patch, uh, the Sour Patch candies on the box. Uh, Where's the other ones here? Uh, Oh, Pink Sticks, right? It's a box, a pink box with pink sticks, uh, fairly large font. And it shows these little yellow straws, the sticks, right? Kids would buy them all day long, e-liquid. Here's one, and here's what bothers me, is there was a point at which these manufacturers actually fought this. The laws have stopped doing this, or the uh, actually it's uh, the government saying, we are going to go after you if you don't do this, if you don't stop. Uh, manufacturing this device or e-liquids with this kind of packaging. Here's one that says 
vanilla, cookies, and milk. And it looks like a vanilla wafer box. Uh, one that looks like an Oreo package. Uh, and guess what? It's e-liquids inside. It's uh, just crazy. Oh, there's there's lollipops. Right, twirl pops. And here's what makes it even worse. Uh, you order the twirl pops for your kids. One of them contains the nicotine. And they put a real one in as a bonus. And you can't tell the difference. Oh, it's a shocker. It is. It just keeps on going and going. It seems like almost every candy. So what's the government doing? Well, the government is telling these folks, you stop it and you stop it right now. And they're grudgingly coming to the table and saying, "We, you know what? We really don't market to kids. That's not the point of this. It's just to be fun and frivolous. And we don't, we make sure that kids under 18 never buy this. We've told our retailers, you don't sell this to, uh, to minors. Well, I'm not a minor. I would buy one of these for my kids. I remember packing their lunch. I remember putting in those stupid juice boxes where kids would come home with stains all over their clothes from opening up those juice boxes. I just hate those juice boxes. Hawaiian Punch. You ever tasted anything so horrible as a Hawaiian Punch juice box? No. All right. Coming up, uh, California's track and trace pot program. I often ask the question, how would they regulate pot and actually be able to trace every single plant? Because the law says it goes from all the way from the first growth to the ultimate sale. They have to keep track of. I'll explain that to you. Also, your chance to win $1,000 when we come back. Okay. KFI handle here on a Wednesday. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. The winner is notified with a phone call, which you must answer. Like Denman in La Habra did, he won $1,000. Next chance to win, next hour. All right, back we go. Uh, back in 2016, way back in 2016, Prop 64, uh, we are the legalization of marijuana, recreational marijuana. Uh, it demands tracking marijuana. We have to know where it is grown, how much is grown, uh, where the distribution takes place, how much, how much taxes they have to pay. And the question I asked was, how do you, re- and this is what a lot of detractors said, how do you control it? How do you control, for example, how big a plant is? Or realistically, what, at what point does it germinate? Because they wanted all that information. How much marijuana comes off of a single bud or a single plant? Well, there is a new program. Uh, it's called Track and Trace Program here in California. And it's going to provide the same information you find on a pack of gum or a box of copy paper or any product that has the barcode 
and has the information expiration, I mean, all of that on the box. But wait a minute. This is a plant. How do you control a plant? Well, uh, they do it. Serial numbers and radio frequency ID, or RFID tags, are going to be assigned to each batch of young plants. And more than that, every plant will be tagged later on in the process. A scanner reads the encoded info, translates it to a database, so the state has real-time visibility into the inventory of every plant in every location in California, where, when, why. Each number, which means each plant, holds product information. And it goes even beyond that because the file on each plant contains information such as the strain, the propagation method, the location, the intended use, the number of plants at each stage of the lifestyle, nursery, vegetation, flower, harvest, where it's sold. And every plant that dies has to be counted and then subtracted. And that's what the program. And on top of that, you've got a tra- part of the track and trace system are purity results from testing labs which screen for pesticides and toxins. I mean, that's pretty sophisticated stuff. I mean, far more sophisticated than even the food. And why is that important? First of all, it comports with uh, the law. It does everything the law asks. Because, you know, when you look at propositions that are all horribly written, it's always unintended consequences. And the proposition is very far-reaching. And what this does, this program is take into account any possible interpretation of Prop 16. It covers all of it. The state loves that. Why? Because it's all about money. It's all about taxes. They don't want anybody to get away with no taxes. So you have to buy the software. $250 to $20,000 a month, depending on the size of the facility. And each tag, remember you have to tag every plant? Each tag costs about 80 cents per plant. And that, now comes the other problem of this marijuana business. And that is, are the taxes going to be so high that the black market just comes back? Uh, same thing with cigarettes. Cigarette taxes are so high. One thing I don't understand is New York. How it isn't a total black market system for cigarette packs in New York. It's 12 bucks a pack. How much is it actually, how much you think actually goes to the manufacturer and distributor? A couple of, a couple of bucks? Three dollars? And the rest of it is taxes? So that's one thing the state is now dealing with. Because right now, what are the taxes? 35%? 40%? There's an excise tax. There's sales tax, unless you're a medical patient. There's a manufacturing tax, and then local cities and counties can, and some of them have, they can add a tax on top of it as well. So depending on where you are in the state, taxes can be like 50% Yep, added on to the price of the product. And you know, they're talking about, they're actually up in Sacramento going, maybe we should 
temporarily lower the yeah, taxes because right. they're finding that the black right. market is still thriving right now. And a qu- couple of names real quick. Uh, Alaskan uh, Thunder Stup, oh, but not the word. I, I know you, you thought I was going to go it. there. Schnazzleberry, Lucky Charms, Trainwreck. <laughs> I mean, these are names. Uh, you go in there, Afgui, Golden Goat. I mean, you're actually buying this stuff. Purple Yurkel. <laughs> <laughs> Goofy Boots. I mean, it goes on and on. <laughs> Girl Stout that does cookies. Sound cute. No. Uh, oh, just hilarious. Uh, Skywalker OG, White Girl OG. How's that for racist? Okay. Coming up, handle on the news, late edition. Right here on. Handle on the news. Late edition. Handle on the news. I actually don't think you're thinking anything. Bill Handel. You're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to believe whatever you want. But there is fact and real world, real life consequence behind everything that you just said. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right. Yeah, another day, another dollar and a half. Oh, no, I get two. You guys get a dollar and a half here. I get like 50 cents. Uh, Wait, if you're, if, no, if you're getting two based on the ratio, we're getting a quarter a piece. I don't know. Mm. I don't know about that. Okay. I'm glad you've read my contract. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. Handle on the news, late edition uh, with, oh, before we do that, Wayne, you have an announcement to make. Well, it's an opportunity to meet all the people here at KFI and hang out in a beautiful space a thousand feet above the city of L.A., You can donate now to help the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared California, and then you and a guest will get to mix and mingle with all of us at the OUE Sky Space. It's on top of the U.S. Bank Tower. There's a live Q&A session. There'll be photo opportunities, cocktails, appetizers, and unlimited sky slide rides after the event, which is that outdoor plexiglass thing that you slide down from one floor to the next floor very quickly and very scarily. You have to be 21 years or old to attend. There's limited tickets, so you want to get them before they're all gone. For details, log on to KFIAM640.com and search the word Mixer. All right, so uh, let's do it. Handle on the news, late edition. Amy King in for Jennifer this week. Wayne Resnick and me. Lead story. You see me now, veteran. Uh, we may have a, um, a veterans affair, a VA head. A nominee, anyway, we right, may have. Sure. Jeff Miller who is uh, the top contender to lead the agency, former House Veterans Affairs Committee chairman when he was a congressman. I mean, he has uh, he has some creds here. He has been involved with the Veterans, uh, the veterans Agency for a lot, Veterans Administration for a very long time, and he simply knows his stuff. And he, at this point, is a top contender. Now, if it turns out the Senate votes him down... They're not going to vote him. No, down. probably not. You know, they'll stick a microphone. He goes, I could have been a contender. Yeah. I had to go there. Yeah. Yes, you did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the brother of the uh, Florida school shooter has been arrested again for getting too close for comfort. Again. He's my brother. Yep. Uh, Zachary the Moron Cruz. That is his legal middle name. The younger brother of uh, the school shooter, Florida, the Parkland, Florida school shooter, Nicholas Cruz, uh, violated the terms of his probation, driving his car without a driver's license and being too close to a school where he's not enrolled. 
He was found 25 feet from the west parking lot of Park Vista Community High School. And that, so that one happened like earlier, or I'm sorry, last week. But in March, he was busted for trespassing at Marjorie Stoneman High School. Well, that's That's why he's on probation. What the hell is he doing? Well, he said he went to Marjorie Stoneman to reflect on the school shooting and soak it in. Okay, fine. So uh, they he gets probation for that. Ryan, you're trespassing. Now, second go-round, what the hell was he doing? Uh, so far, he has not released his motivation this time. I guess he doesn't have a good excuse. All right, uh, this police officer in Washington, D.C., has been convicted of illegal drug dealing and one of those guns was used in a murder. Illegally selling weapons. Yeah. And one of those guns, a different gun, was used by a former Marine to kill himself. And that's a guy who was not allowed to buy guns legally because he had been actually adjudicated as mentally incompetent. But he bought a gun from this cop and killed himself with it two weeks later. Where'd the cop get the gun? The cop can buy. See, when you're a police officer, you are exempt from a lot of firearms yeah. rules. Uh, he he told authorities that he was addicted to websites where you can buy, sell, and trade guns. And he kept selling guns even after the ATF confronted him. Uh, there's an excuse. I'm addicted to these websites. <laughs> That's an excuse to launch an investigation against the guy, right? Uh, yeah, and this is uh, uh, the feds are going after him, right? Oh, yeah, he's in big trouble now. Yeah. A federal judge in New York has ordered Iran to pay billions of dollars to 9-11 victims. Yesterday, all my yeah. troubles... It's a default judgment, right? It is. That's not going to happen. Because what? The, uh, Iran's not going to send people no. over here to litigate No, this. of course not. So what ended up happening is you have uh, a group of 9-11 victims, uh, not all of them, uh, the deaths of... Uh, maybe a third of the people who died. Yeah, about a thousand of them. Who uh, filed a lawsuit against uh, the government of Iran and uh, the the Revolutionary Guard and the Central Bank of Iran saying, you're responsible. Government of Iran didn't even bother showing up. Just, yeah, go ahead and do it. Well, of course they didn't. Can can these people try... They could have hired lawyers to defend. Governments do do that occasionally, but not in this case. Uh, I'm assuming Iran doesn't have any significant assets laying no, around we get, we in this it, country. We gave now. it all back. Yeah. So th- yeah, how are you going to enforce donation? this anyway? Yeah. So it's uh, it's not going to. And even uh, what are they going to do? The government of the United States? Well, first of all, these individuals are going to try to enforce it. Uh, they're going to. No, it's not going to happen. So a default judgment is then the judge just makes the decision. And no, the, the other doesn't side doesn't show up. Show up. If the defendant doesn't show up. That's correct. Then yeah. the judge makes the decision. Well, it's, or does it's the, a, you get what you're asking. Basically, you get what you're asking for pretty much, right? If the other side doesn't show up. Okay. He did say, you want to know what it's worth? Uh, the it's judge set the damages. If you lost your spouse, $12.5 million. If you lost a parent, $8.5 million. If you lost a child, $8.5 million. And if you lost a sibling, $4.25 million. As if that does anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have time. Yeah. Oh, what a difference one word makes. One letter. Yes, one letter. There was a written statement that was sent out from uh, the White House press secretary Monday evening. And it was all about, you know, the Iran deal and that Iran is not doing what they're supposed to do. And so the original thing said Iran has a robust clandestine nuclear weapons program. Well, nobody in the intelligence agencies believes that they currently have one. 
And so a couple hours later, they had to send it out with the correction. Iran had a robust. Right. S-D. Uh, and they changed it around. And so. Oh, you know what? I don't have a QWERTY keyboard in front of me. Is the S next to the D? Yes. That, well, there you go. Well, right, so, and, and spell check wouldn't catch it because there's right. nothing misspelled. So uh, now Sarah Huckabee Sanders is asked about that at a press conference. And what she says is, hey, it was a mistake. It's a typo. We noticed it. We cleared it up immediately. But here's the mistake. The Obama administration ever entering in the deal <laughs> in the first place. When it, I'm surprised it didn't bring up Hillary Clinton. Right. Oh, God. All right. I think she's a smart cookie. All right, let's take a break. And she is smart. She just has an indefensible position 90% of the time. All right, we're going to come back with a Kanye West story. Oh, this is great stuff. Absolutely delicious. Hip I handle here on a uh, Wednesday. Some of the top stories that we are uh, covering that are trending today, uh, Texas and six other states suing to end DACA, suing the federal government to end DACA. But wait a minute. The federal government wants to end DACA. Uh, Yeah? How about that, huh? How about them apples? Matter of fact, I think that's the way they started uh, the response to the lawsuit. How about them apples? Defendant here and after. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead with what? Handle on the news. Yeah, late handle edition, on the news. Late edition. Yes, All right, Amy? exactly. Amy? Okay. Yes, I was actually. We're just getting breaking news of a, a an emergency landing of a Southwest Air Lines flight because of a big hole in a window. Uh, is it a hole or a crack? No, it's a big hole. I've okay. seen pictures. It's a big hole in the window. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll get you that at the top of the hour. So uh, there's a hole in the window, dear Liza. Dear Liza. There's a hole in the window, dear Liza. A hole. All right. uh, Kanye West causing a stir after calling slavery a choice. He's a very strange guy. Yeah, so he's having this interview with uh, TMZ Live and says, when you hear about slavery for 400 years, for 400 years, that sounds like a choice. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly a choice of the slaveholders. The slave owners, there's the choice. Well, then he went on to say that he thought it was like they were mentally enslaved because there were more people than the slave owners and nothing happened. And then he kind of insinuated that he might have been talking about it's that current people still refer to being slaves, even though it was a couple hundred years ago. There's an argument there. I think there's an argument that there uh, there is a, a lot of, you know, for example, asking for reparations. Right. Still talking about Jim Crow laws, which don't exist anymore. It was uh, his choice of words. Yeah, they it's, were off. it's well, the this this the choice language is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, yeah, people choose to be slaves after 400 years. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Thank you very much. He also said he became addicted to opioids after he had uh, plastic surgery, which was liposuction, which is really weird that he had liposuction because didn't his mom die from a liposuction? Mm-hmm. Wow. So he had it, and then he was, and he was going on a rant saying, "I did this for you." Right. The I pressure. Had to have he it. Has felt the pressure mm-hmm. to be presentable to the people. Speaking of race relations, uh, the white guy from Arkansas who beat up the black guy at that Charlottesville rally has been convicted. He actually went to trial on this. Yes, he did. Well, he's saying self-defense because it was all about who started 
who started the altercation, and the jury found he started the altercation. Uh, yeah, he says, oh, no, I didn't do anything. This was a rally uh, to protest uh, the removal of one of the Confederate statues. And uh, he's wearing a military-style helmet. Uh, uh, he is holding a large shield. He's kicking uh, the uh, uh, the fellow to the ground, stomps on him, but it was self-defense. Well, jury didn't buy it. Instagram wants to stop people from bullying, so they have a new algorithm to help you. So they're putting a new filter in place to weed out comments that would harass or bully any of the 800 million users of Instagram. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, that has to be a, a pretty sophisticated algorithm, and there have to be a whole lot of holes in it when you think about it. Because the language... Say, let's say you're referring to someone and it has a particularly ugly picture. Let's say you have uh, a film star or personality and you notice, oh, my God, she looks horrible in this picture or he looks horrible. Uh, does the filter uh, cut that out? It's hard to know yet, but it's machine learning, so it'll get better over time, at least theoretically. Right. So it'll review words for context and meaning. And it says uh, it's called deep text. And Instagram says it will learn like the human brain learns to determine how words are used. Well, uh, a homeless man gets another shot at suing the city for putting his birds to sleep. I'll sue ya! I went everybody's head about the bird. This is a guy who uh, was approached. Well, people first, first thing that happened is people called and said there's a homeless guy and he's got a bunch of birds in boxes. So animal control comes out and they see the birds and some of them are sick and they take all the birds and you're supposed to have 10 days to request a hearing on whether or not you can get the birds back. But apparently they put the birds to sleep before that period expired. So he sued in federal court here and the judge said, no, 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 you have no case. He went up to the Ninth Circuit and they said, you mostly have no case, but you should have the ability to pursue whether when they took the birds in the first place, they were but, violating your constitutional rights. But interestingly enough, just the healthy birds uh, right. is what he's, or the his birds damages. The birds to be healthy. Right. Those are his damages. Correct. Is it even legal to have pigeon, crows, and seagulls? Aren't those wild animals? Oh, well, but he was out on the street. It wasn't know, in a house. They, I know, but the animals were being kept in cages. Yeah. Good question. Don't know the answer. And then finally, uh, in Oregon. You, it, you animal lover, you, Amy. This makes me really sad. So uh, a deer was seen walking around with an arrow, but it was seemed to be fine. And then they went to wildlife officials, investigated, and found another one. Me and my arrow. Yeah, I mean, they're walking around. Uh, they're feeding. Uh, it's like they're ignoring the arrow that's going through them. It sounds like a bad shot, really. I mean, because you know how you, you, you train to hunt? You're supposed to hit them, you know, it, yeah, between the good, eyes or in the heart. But and that's a good shot. That's an arrow. It's a bow and arrow. That's a good shot. Well, depends, well you're saying it's, a, it's, it's good uh, marksmanship because they were able to hit the deer. Right. But it's bad if you're trying to kill the deer because these deers are just tooling right. around like nothing happened. And it's not so good for the deer either. But it, it doesn't seem, feel good. It doesn't bother them, it seems. Okay, we're done. Uh, coming up, kids, tackle football, and CTE and how does all that connect? Well, I'll share that with you. KFI AM 640. KFI 
AM 640 handle here on a Wednesday, May 2nd. Big stories that we're covering. Uh, the Stephen Clark uh, shooting that happened in March. Uh, a war of autopsies is on. Private autopsy versus public autopsy, uh, of course. No surprise there. And then uh, some of the questions that uh, Mueller will be asking the president that was released uh, yesterday. All right. Now, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Concussion. Will Smith should get an Academy Award for that. It's uh, about uh, Dr. Bennett Omalu, who discovered CTE in football players. And this is has to do with professional ball players, And virtually 100% of them suffer some kind of CTE. It just depends on the level of, uh, of, of suffering that you do. Literally how serious it is. Well, uh, who's paying attention to this? Colleges, big time. High school programs are looking at this. And then there's a bill uh, that's being proposed. And it has to do with um, Pop Warner football players. I mean, under 12. And this would make California, if it's passed, uh, the first state to prohibit minors from playing organized tackle football before the age of 12. Now, we're talking about before the age of 12. I mean, does anybody have a problem with that? Saying, come on, guys, in view of the evidence, tackle football really hurts people. Not only physically it hurts, but very long-term hurt. The damage that it does to your bones and your joints. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a football player who's played football after 10 or 15 years or even five years in the NFL. Man, they can't walk half the time. Their knees, their elbows are gone. They hurt all the time. Shoulder injuries, I mean, you know, neck injuries. And then the one that's really scary, CTE, that destroys the brain to the point where the behavior is, can be out of control. Uh, memory loss, uh, dementia in some cases. And we've heard of those uh, who have committed suicide because they couldn't deal with it. So here's the difference is professional ballplayers can make a choice. And now that CTE is known, and if a ball player is willing to say, okay, I'll take the risk, hey, that's an adult. You know, an adult can do whatever the hell he or she wants to do. And once you reach the age of majority, you're on your own in terms of decision making. Now, the reason the NFL has already put a billion dollars into a fund, and it's going to be higher for ballplayers that are suffering CTE, is that the ballplayers weren't warned about it. And even worse than that, the NFL had the information as to how dangerous it, it was, these tackles were and the suffering that would occur. I mean, they had the information and not only didn't act on it, but denied it. It's... A lot like the tobacco companies. Remember the tobacco hearings where uh, one of the senators and they brought out all of uh, the heads of the tobacco companies, I mean, CEO after CEO, and there must have been a dozen there. And the question was asked, one of the senators was asked, uh, how, many, how many of you 
believe that nicotine in cigarettes are not is not addictive, every one of them raised their hands. Everyone. Even though there was study after study, memo after memo contradicting, uh, contradicting that. I mean, it was there. And much the same, the NFL is being accused of allowing uh, these kinds of tackles, although I don't know what the choice is. It's a question of simply informing ballplayers. And there are ballplayers that have just quit. NFL ballplayers just said, I'm done. Uh, I'm not going to go forward. It's not worth it. I don't want to shorten my life. I don't want to have dementia. I don't want to act belligerent to my family. I don't want to kill myself. And of those ballplayers who have donated their brains for research, if I'm not mistaken, and Alex, you can look this up, uh, either 100% or close to 100% of these ballplayers show symptoms of CTE, show the brain having uh, CTE. So now let's move to at what point do you stop what is that answer, Alex? Um, there was a study when they f- figured it out. Out of 111 brains that were studied, 110 of them showed signs of CTE. So and, only one didn't. And they probably missed yeah, the uh, information on that one. So here is a bill that's been introduced. And what it says is no tackle football before the age of 12. That's a no-brainer. However, Assemblyman Kevin McCartney, uh, McCarthy out of Sacramento, one of the big leaders in Sacramento, canceled the committee hearing scheduled for next week on this act, saying that AB 2108 will not advance to a vote this year. How the hell do you do that? Protecting kids under the age of 12 from engaging in these athletic acts, endeavors that are going to hurt the brain. I mean, we know that. Do you have any doubts that a 10-year-old getting tackled, getting his uh, the bell rung, as it were? You know who's fighting it? You know who's saying we don't want this, Bill? Pop Warner Football. Pop Warner Football is saying we kids should be allowed to play tackle football under the age of 12. Supporters of the bill show that CTE is caused by repetitive impacts to the head sustained over a period of time. And if you start at the age of 10 with tackle football, and then you continue on with high school and then college, and then if you're in very rarefied air, you go to the NFL, you know, at what point is your head just a mess? Do your brains become jello? Now, here's what Kevin uh, McCarthy said. The reason we're canceling this, we're taking a time out, is because we're waiting for multiple studies in the coming months on the health impacts of football on the brains of children. And we want to look at all of the evidence before we go forward. Now, usually I'm a big fan of looking at the evidence. I'm always saying, let's look at the science. The science is everything. Opinions mean nothing when it comes to this sort of stuff. But do you honestly think that these studies are going to show that tackle football under the age of 12 is not dangerous for kids? No, it's not a problem. 
even though every other form of football uh, it has, you know, it leads to CTE. But with kids under 12, whose brains, by the way, are still developing, who are probably far more apt to suffer from injuries because of their age, because the bones haven't formed yet. Nope, we're going to wait until the studies are in. And then, of course, they're still going to fight it. Go figure. I just don't understand this one at all. All right, uh, coming up, members of Congress are crying poverty. And they make $174,000 a year. How can you be dirt poor and not have enough money to live in an apartment? I'll explain that to you. And also your chance to win $1,000 when we come back. All right. Uh, Amy King. Poor little rich girl, I know why you're blue. You finally found something that your daddy won't buy for you. KFI AM uh, 640 handle here on a Wednesday. Let's start with your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. All right. If you win, they're going to call you. But if you don't answer, you won't win. Joyce and Artesia answered that call, and she won $1,000. You've got another chance to win next hour. Boy, how's that for timing? Oh, Okay. Got it. Sorry about that, guys. I get so excited about getting into these topics. Okay. Now, uh, if you are a United States representative, you receive a salary of $174,000 a year. By the way, that hasn't increased in about 10 years. And no housing allowance. Why is that important? Well, because unless you live right around the Washington, D.C. area, you have to live during the week someplace in Washington. For example, our Congress people here, I have their homes. You know, I mean, just regular homes, unless you're very wealthy. But, you know, and $174,000 isn't a bad buck, especially if you have a spouse that works. And so you're going to afford a reasonably nice place. But on top of that, imagine then having to get a place in Washington where you have to live during the week. And you know how expensive Washington is? It's as expensive as it is here, plus some substantial money. So what do these members of the House do? Well, some of them room together. Which, incidentally, so many members of uh, the state legislature here in California room together. I mean, a lot of them do. I'll tell you what the, a lot of these Congress people are doing. Is they're sleeping in the office. In their office. They take a bunk out and sleep in their office. Now, there's a little bit of controversy there. And the reason you do it is because these people can't afford living in a place. Because you're talking about a one-bedroom place that's any decent at all in the Washington, D.C. area is $3,000 a month. I mean, that's pricey stuff. And it's estimated about 100 of the representatives, about 20%, of uh, the body live in uh, their own offices. Let me, how about some names? Oh, I don't know. House Speaker Paul Ryan lives in his office. Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy out of Riverside lives in the office. Now, how do they do that? Is there room? I mean, is there a bedroom? There is not. 
Uh, the member's office usually has a reception area. And then there is a section of workspace for the staff, which is ridiculously cramped, always. A separate office. Now, the congressperson gets an office. Uh, but it's seating and a desk. And the only way they're going to be able to sleep there is either on the couch or they just pull out a bunk from behind the the uh, the couch and then sleep. No kitchen, no shower. So how do they deal with that? Well, Congress has a neat gym in uh, the basement of uh, the Rayburn House office building. Costs about $300 a year. Showers, laundry, lockers. So typically what a congressperson does is in the morning wakes up, who's sleeping in the office, puts the cot back, goes downstairs, takes a shower, and gets dressed and goes up to work. Isn't there some sort of fire code or something up with that? The uh, Congress exempt itself from everything. Oh, okay. Well, as long as... Everything. For example, last I heard, no minimum wage is paid to the interns. Why? Because Congress exempts itself from everything. And they get subsidized everything. For example, haircuts. Subsidized. Now, what they don't get is a raise. What they don't get is cost of living. They don't get a per diem. One of the things that makes the California legislature such a good deal relative to other legislature is there's a per diem when they're in session and you have to live there. And let's say you're representing a district down here. So they fly up, and typically it's a four-day week. They fly up Monday morning. They fly back Thursday afternoon. And they will spend Friday and Saturday, usually a constituent's office. Uh, their constituents, uh, yeah, their office that deals with constituents. And uh, they at least get a reasonable per diem. Congress gets zero per diem. So they're living in their office. It's the only way they can afford it. And then all of a sudden, $174,000 when you're talking about two places to live. Especially in, well, let's say Southern California where it's insanely expensive to live. And then you go to Washington, D.C., where you go to Virginia, let's say, where it's expensely, uh, insanely expensive to live. All of a sudden, $174,000 a year doesn't go very far. So there's actually a move in Congress that says you can't do this anymore. You think that's going to go anywhere? No. They'll just exempt themselves. Oh, they will exempt themselves. I thought I'd share that with you. I thought it was kind of interesting. So next time you go see your congressperson, let's say you get Washington, D.C., and you walk into the office because you have some kind of a bitch and you want uh, some staffer to take care of you, uh, start looking for a cot somewhere there. All right, coming up, Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, and the greatest economic crisis in Southern California. No one's talking about it. Dean will share the information. Uh, we're back. It's Wednesday, May 2nd. And uh, Dean Sharp, we just had a great conversation. Yeah. That we had. Yeah, uh, we did. Just a, a minute or two ago. Okay. Good morning. What, what were we talking? We were talking about LASIK and or circumcision. 
Uh, yeah, try, was, and, try was, not to get the two confused. <laughs> it was one of the two. I know there's a procedure in both in both of them. A laser is only used on one of them, hopefully. <laughs> All right. So much for that. All right. Uh, Dean Sharp, of course. Uh, it's uh, the House Whisperer segment. Every Wednesday, sponsored by Sunlux, the official solar company of home on KFI and my home. Woohoo! Uh, and for the best value in solar, dial pound 250 and just say Sunlux. I love those guys. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're very good. They're they, the best. They know what they're doing. Yep. Okay. Uh, now, uh, interesting topic you sent to me. and uh, Not you, really a feel-good topic. No. And, and, you, and you started with the looming economic crisis that no one is talking about. And I had no idea what it was. Right. And I'm looking at this to go, wow, I didn't know that. Trees in Southern California. Trees. Now, you know I'm a tree hugger. So we're just setting that aside for the moment. These are the facts. The damage to Southern California trees right now is being caused by a beetle called technically the polyphagus shot hole borer beetle. It's a Southeast Asian beetle. It's smaller than a sesame seed. So when people say, I'm, I haven't seen these bugs. You know, yeah, I know. I know you haven't seen them. Because they're smaller than a sesame seed. They also live entirely inside the tree that they're infesting. So you don't see the bugs. You see the holes. And the reason they call it a shot hole beetle is because it looks, a tree that's infected, the trunk of the tree looks like it's kind of been uh, hit with a shotgun blast. Because these little pellet-sized holes occur all over the bark. Um, I don't know, Alex, if, if you put this up online or the photo, but uh, I think Tina's going to post it on our Facebook as well, at Home with Dean. But there's a sycamore trunk right there, and you see all those little pits, these little holes with the tiny, what looks like little moisture spots around them. That is the result of the all shot right. hole bore. Now, a couple of questions. Uh, is this uh, from top to bottom when usually you see this? Uh, it can be anywhere on the trunk. The problem is this. It doesn't have to be from top to bottom. The problem is if it occurs anywhere on the trunk, what these little beetles do is they get in there, they bore into the wood, then they start, this is bizarre, they start farming a fungus that they then eat. That fungus has this effect on the tree. It shuts down the transmission lines between the roots and the branches for the tree to get water and nutrients. Right, and so, so trees just die. So, so this is so this tree, uh, you could just... It, this might tree as well, is toast. Yeah, this might tree, as well issue a death certificate. They took a picture of it because it's being targeted to be cut down. So here is the problem. Most invasive insect species that we've dealt with usually prefer, you know, a, one brand of tree. They like a species of tree. The shot hole beetle... 58 varieties of trees, all of the native Southern California trees. They are in 58. And the U.S. Forest Service Department has said that if we do not replace the trees that are infected and find a way of stopping them, they are on their way to destroying 27 million trees in Los Angeles, Orange, Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. That is 38% of all of the trees in urban Southern California, right. which equals in replacement value, thirty-seven billion dollar crisis. Billion, billion. Now that's just the replacement of the trees. That doesn't account for increased costs because if that happens, uh, and it's on its way to and happening, we'll do, let's let's hold okay. off on a minute because right. I want to do I want to do that next segment uh, because uh, I'm looking at this thing and uh, the effects are staggering. They are just staggering now. Uh, you had mentioned that there, at this point, is no cure. 
they don't know how to deal with this puppy. They're, they're the uh, the entomologists at UC Riverside are working like crazy to figure out how to deal with it. But right now, the only way we know how to deal with it is to spot an infected tree and get rid of it. And this is all pervasive. I mean, it is all over the place. It is literally all over the place. We have found them from Santa Barbara County all the way down to the Mexican border. Wow. And, I just and now, put- and and and. It's, there aren't just one or two articles about this. The L.A. Times has run articles about this. It's been in the news. You'll find websites dedicated to it. And yet, it has been un- unable so far to really capture the news cycle so that people are really paying attention. And how long does this take once that first uh, borehole occurs uh, to the point where the tree is just gone? Is this a matter of years? Uh, it's a matter of months to years. But the problem is, while it is happening, even though the tree is still hanging on for a couple of three years, uh, that becomes a nest for them to spread to the next one. And so the point is, so far, the fatality rate or the mortality rate of these trees is 100%. So the only answer is to get rid of that tree as quickly as possible. Get rid of the tree. They recommend uh, chipping it. Uh, and not just sent, not just cutting it down and sending it whole to the landfill because the, then the beetles are still thriving inside. Chipping it down to one-inch size or smaller uh, pieces, and then you've destroyed the habitat for them, and you've effectively gotten rid of that problem. Who does that? You take your chipper out of the garage? Yeah, no. It's you know you're going to call an arborist, you're going to call a tree service company, and when they cut down the tree, you have to make sure that they actually feed the tree through the wood chipper so that it results in wood chips not solid branches going off to a landfill now are you also talking about branches on the tree the or whole is thing it- the whole thing they could be anywhere on the tree wow that is really depressing i'm sorry uh yeah because I, I like trees the upside is to to all of this and we'll get into some of the other depressing stuff after the break but the upside is just like the drought this is going to help i hope drop kick some people into reappreciating trees, planting more trees, adding trees to Southern California landscape, which is something that has been neglected for so long. People go to the garden center, they buy little flats of annual flowers, they buy a little ground cover. No one thinks about trees and of all the things you can do to your house to increase its property value. And I mean all the things, bath remodel, kitchen remodel, anything, planting a specimen-sized tree alone in the right place in your front yard can raise your property value from 10 to 15%. Your property value from one or two well-placed specimen trees. Nothing, nothing has the return on investment like that. All right, when we come back, uh, now it's going to get really depressing uh, because this is, these are the effects of this horrible shot hole borer uh, the poly is that polyphagus polyphagus. It just means that they eat a variety of things. That's why they're in 58 species and not just one. Hmm. All right. We'll come back and finish it up with that one. Just in case if you're happy, we're going to destroy that instantly. You know, this is good. All right. Uh, be right back with uh, Dean Sharp, uh, the KFI, Amy. K- Wish I had a mango tree in my backyard. All right. Back we go as we finish uh, the show. The House Whisperer segment, uh, which uh, Dean Sharp, of course, is the star of. The star. Hey, I'm going to tell you about the mixer. Yes, please. The uh, KFI mixer at the OUE Skyspace. Donate now to help the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared California. 
and you and a guest will mix and mingle with the KFI crew for an exclusive evening at the beautiful uh, OUE Sky. Didn't they destroy that? They destroyed that building in Independence Day. I think they did. Oh, that was a movie. Oh. Okay. Uh, you're a thousand feet in the air uh, on the U.S. Bank Tower. You meet the team. We do a live Q and A session. There's going to be photo opportunities. You can ride the unlimited sky slide, or unlimited uh, number of times. An unlo- oh, so it's not an unlimited slide. It just doesn't go on forever. No. All right, but you can go and all right. All guests have to be 21 years or, or older to attend. Uh, and uh, there's a 360-degree view of Los Angeles, and you've got the chance to feel the thrill when you experience the, how, the heart-pounding adventure of the first-ever Sky Slide. Doesn't sound like you're reading that at all. Not at all. 100% of the proceeds will benefit the American Red Cross Get Prepared California campaign. We have limited tickets, so get them before they're gone. More details, KFIM640.com, search Mixer. Got it. There it is. All right. So uh, let's finish up uh, the segment we're doing on trees. And that is uh, there isn't going to be a tree left in Southern California uh, over the next uh, few years. You had just talked about 38% of the trees are going to be gone or at risk right now if we don't turn the corner. And uh, the cost, and I'm stunned by this, $37 billion, right, is just the cost of the trees. Tree replacement. You work that out, it works out to be about... Fifteen hundred dollars a tree, not an unreasonable. I mean, right. that's a discount. Now, what else does it do? Well, if we don't turn the corner uh, and we don't replace the, all the trees that we are currently on track to lose, then we have to deal with things like regional heat island effects of the in- temperature of the entire LA basin going up between five and nine percent. It's not a global warming thing. It's not about that. It's about the loss of trees because trees capture moisture. They put moisture back into the air and they cool our air. Uh, Then we've got increased cost in heat-related death and illness. We've got the increased cost of energy and water. We've got the loss of flood stability in the soil and erosion control. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Because if if you denude... A hillside or any piece of land of trees. Exactly. And, and now they're wide open to flood and uh, mudslides. We're going to increase the wildfire threat beyond what it already is to a year-round condition. We're going to lose wild height, the wildlife habitat. Uh, and here's the thing. I say this all the time. People don't believe me, but you can ask any realtor that this is true. We're going to see a drop in property values because one or two specimen trees sitting in your front yard properly placed, can increase, does increase, on average, across the board, a property's value up to 15%. Now, you know, do the math. Yeah. Work it out. You got a $400,000 house. 40 grand. Maybe 40 grand at 10%. Right. Okay? The tree doesn't cost that much, not even close. Right. What is a specimen tree? You want to define that? A specimen tree is a tree that is, uh, let's just say, it's already large. Okay. Okay. It's already large. It's not the little uh, five-foot-tall sapling that you get at the garden center. It's a tree that's in a good-sized box at the nursery already established, maybe 10, 15 feet tall already. And you can buy trees that go, you know, 20 to 40 feet tall already, and in which you basically just transplant them, and overnight you've got a fully mature tree sitting in your yard. Even at that, overnight, 
15% increase in property value. So what kind of money are you talking about for bringing in, let's say, a 15-foot tree, which is already considered a serious tree, right? Yeah, no, a nice, healthy 15-foot tall tree. Now, it has a lot to do with the species of tree because some trees are more expensive than others. Some are far uh, slower growers than others. Uh, you were talking about an olive tree that you guys got. Olive trees grow very, very slowly. Oh, so yeah. by the time they're 15 feet tall, the nursery has invested a lot of money in that tree. But anywhere between, uh, let's say, $3,000 and um, $15,000 to $20,000. I mean, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But again, you drop a $20,000 tree, which you can get financing for these days. You drop a $20,000 tree overnight in your front yard in the right place, the right tree, and uh, your your uh, property value has just jumped between forty and sixty thousand. All right, uh, let's talk about what you're going to talk about on Sunday because normally you, of course, spend a few minutes with us and then you expand it like crazy. So, what is Sunday show about? Take one guess. Trees. But how? Correct. Okay, great. <laughs> but how much are you going to do beyond this? Yeah. Well, Sunday we're just going to touch on the problem. Here uh, and uh, we're going to get into. Actually, I've got a tree expert from Moon Valley Nurseries coming in. He's going to sit with me for three segments, and we're going to talk about how to plant them right, how to take care of them the right way, how not to trim them, how to trim them properly. We're going to talk about hedges, privacy hedges, all things trees on Sunday. Not the negative stuff, the positive stuff, how we need more right. and how to do it the right way. Now, if you're saving money for a hedge, uh, is that a hedge fund? Sure. Okay, sure. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Uh, that's 9 to 11 o'clock every Sunday, plus the podcasts, which are archived uh, right on our website. And the iHeartRadio app. And the iHeartRadio app. Correct, sir. Okay. Uh, Gary Hoffman. Was that an Elvis? Thank you very much. Yeah. I, it did, did sound like it. Because he was known for his one-liners? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Ty Cobb is out of the president's legal team once again. Yep. Or I shouldn't ball, say once again. Hell but, of a ball player. Uh, hell of a ball player. I guess he was a great lawyer, but a guy who was defending Bill Clinton against impeachment has now joined the uh, Trump legal team. So we'll talk all about that. Updates on car chases from yesterday, including the guy who got really upset when I suggested that the canine chew on a guy. Oh, I, re- for a I, few heard, seconds. I heard that call. For a few seconds. And then last night in Corona, do you know what happened? The end of a car chase. The canine got to chew on a guy a few, a few seconds. So, there you go. Yeah. All right. Kanye Watch. We have What You Watching Wednesday. Also, Mental Health Awareness Month is a month of May. So, we have a special guest coming in in the right. 11 o'clock hour. And Mental Health Awareness Month is very important to us here on KFI for obvious reasons. Uh, go on. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Nothing more. Okay. I'm sort of done. Smart. All right. Uh, Gary and Shannon showing up. Uh, back again tomorrow. Uh, 5 o'clock with a wake-up call, and, of course, from 6 to 10, 10 o'clock, uh, the morning show. In the meantime, uh, Gary, you have a good show. Thank you, sir. All right. Tomorrow, KFI AM 640.